You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another Flip My Funnel episode. And this podcast has been just growing like crazy. And one of the reasons it's growing is because we have people that are doing Tuesday and Thursday takeovers. So today, I'm really excited to introduce Barb uh, Mosher Zink. She is running her own podcast called Content Matters. And it's a really, really good podcast. And she's interviewing some ridiculously good people in content. So if you're in content, you got to listen to this whole series. So Barb, welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. All right, Barb, share a little bit about your podcast and the type of people you're interviewing in this series. So the Content Matters podcast is a podcast that looks at all aspects of content from, especially from the marketing side, but also from like technical documentation, like how all, how it works to support every kind of group across the company. And I have been really, really fortunate to interview some really great, smart experts. Um, Scott Abel, Ann Hanley, Matthew Sweezy, um, Ian Truscott, um, Jim Edmonds, uh, Kem Mayfield. Or Mathley, sorry, I said his name wrong. But um, yeah, there's just there were so many. I've we've been going for two years now, and it's just it's just been phenomenal. Fantastic, Barb. I cannot wait to hear this episode. So let's just dive right into it. Hi everyone, welcome to the Content Matters podcast, where we get to talk to digital content and marketing pros. I'm your host, Barb. And I am really happy to have with us today, Kathy McKnight, who is the VP of Strategy at the Content Advisory. Um, she also calls herself a, sol- a solver of problems, which I really love that. And she's also a partner with the Digital Clarity Group. Um, we're excited to have Kathy here today. We're going to talk about web content management, digital marketing, content strategy, kind of a whole bunch of interesting topics that everybody wants to know about. So welcome, Kathy. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Barb. Thanks for having me. So. Um, First of all, tell me about the content advisory and what problems you're solving there, because you just started with them about mid last year, right? Because I didn't even realize you were with them until I was um, kind of doing some background research. Yeah, the content advisory, which uh, is the consulting arm of the Content Marketing Institute, uh, founded or the content advisory was founded by Robert Rose. Um, and Robert and I have been colleagues and friends for about a decade now. And so we are teaming up, um, and really helping companies. What we like to say is we're a story helping organization. So we're not, we're not helping, we're not telling people how to tell their story. We're helping them tell their story better. So we do things like research and advisory where we're really digging into their problems and, and challenges that they're facing when it comes to content and content marketing. Uh, We do some strategic consulting where we're digging a little deeper and helping them with methodologies and content operations. Um, My personal obsession right now is, is content operations and strategy and the impact that that has on overall content uh, success. So whether you're looking at straight content or marketing or content marketing, I'm really finding that getting that baseline strategy and operational element uh, sorted out is a critical component. 
we do education. So we teach workshops on how to be better writers and what it takes to do content marketing uh, efficiently and effectively. And of course, we have thought leadership. So when you go to content marketing or sorry, contentadvisory.net, um, it's very much filled with some great thought leadership from you know Robert and um, my colleagues Tim Walters, myself, and other industry greats. I am. Um, I follow the content advisory quite a bit because I've I've interviewed Robert a few times and I've interviewed Tim as well, and both of them are just packed with great information and things that make you think about how to do your job even better. So I love that you're there. I think that's a great place to work. I would love to work there. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so tell me, what does the ecosystem for content look like today? Like, are, like from the work that you're doing, are there foundational elements people are struggling with that they need to have? What are you seeing? Yeah, so my, as you know, my, my history is, is long and sorted in the content realm. I've played on, on both sides of the fence with regards to the strategic element as well as uh, the technology. I had a boss once who used to tell our clients that I spoke dolphin because I could be both the, yes, both the business side of things and the technology side of things. I'm not sure if he meant it as a compliment. I took it as a compliment. <laughs> I would, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so I think really, I mean, that's one of the core elements, right, is having someone on your team who understands both sides of the fence, both the technology side and the impact it has on content and business. So when we're looking at a good stack and the advantages of, of a good MarTech stack, um, you have to make sure it's organized and purposeful, I think, at the outset. Um, making sure that each of the pieces are working together that you're not chasing that next bright, shiny thing. Um, you know, we at uh, Digital Clarity Group have helped a lot of organizations select technology. Um, there, I would, my primary role is, is head of consulting and, and working with the big enterprises to look at you know, what their stack looks like and what pieces are missing and not over or under buying because both of those cause issues. But when you look at the core elements, I think, you know, first off, I still believe CMS, Content Management System, is the anchor to a MarTech stack when it comes to content and content marketing. Um, having one that is easy to use from um, an end user perspective. So really thinking about that user interface. Um, one that is easy to support. So if you don't have the technology team in-house, which many companies are moving, you know, they're, they're outsourcing their technology support, right? And really to a, a CTO or a CIO, the, the MarTech stack is a very small percentage of their overall budget. So they're quite happy not to have to deal with it. So that's where, you know, cloud solutions and SaaS solutions come into play. So understanding to the best implementation for both, for any of the MarTech, um, whether it's on-prem or, 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 or cloud or SaaS um, software as a service, where really it's just going to a site and, and managing it there. But I do believe content management is still the anchor to good content and content marketing. Uh, digital asset management is quickly creeping up. Um, I wrote a piece um, a couple of years ago about, you know, whether there's one ring to rule them all. I did an analogy of Game of Thrones because, of course, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. April 14th, <laughs> can't wait. Um, and I think digital asset management is, is quickly becoming, um, if not going to sit on the throne, very much sitting right beside the throne as the advisor. Uh, more and more organizations are realizing that things like SharePoint and Dropbox and Box are not digital asset management systems. 
Um, they're great repositories. They're essential tools. I think every company needs something like that. Um, but it's not a place to be storing your digital assets. You need to be able to manage your licensing, making sure that um, when you acquire um, assets, um, you know, whether it's Getty Image or things like that, that you are putting the parameters of their use, making it easy for your organization not to abuse that. So if it's a North American license that, you know what, your colleagues over in France or in South America or even in Canada where we are, don't even see it. So they can't, they can't use it or they can see it, but they can't leverage it. Um, things about where it's been used. You don't want to overuse an asset. Your metadata, uh, something that more and more organizations are getting their heads around um, and making sure it's tagged so you know what it should be used for. And your brand. I mean, digital asset management for brand management is, I think, an essential tool. And I think the third, and I mean, I could go on for, for an hour, but I think the third is, an, is a really good analytics tool. And whether it's Google Analytics or more of a proprietary solution, taking the time to, to get your hands around the analytics element so you can see what content is being leveraged, their performance, getting customer data, being able to work towards that that infamous but ever elusive 360 degree view of the customer. So it's not just about your, the data on your content, it's also the data on your, your customer. And I guess fourth to round it out would be a CRM. Um, you know, that's not a content related system per se, but in this Uber uh, experience and engagement and customer focused world, um, if you are not managing your customer and it, the data and the interactions, then you're missing a huge opportunity from the content side. So you gave me four things I want to ask you about in that, that piece there. Okay. That was, so the first one is I have seen a lot of the MarTech stacks, you know, I've, I've, you know, I, I listen to Scott Brinker and I, I read his website and he shows all these different MarTech stacks and it's not at least 50% of them or more don't have the CMS as their foundational element, which I always considered if you're going to do content across, you know, omni-channel, multi-channel, whatever, you need to have that CMS as a foundation, but a lot of them have like a WordPress site or something, and it's not a foundational element of their stack. And I just wonder why, why it wouldn't be. So I think a couple of things a lot, when you look at the, um, the, if, if you're looking at the, the stackies, the Scott Brinker's yeah. um, uh, awards, Scott is brilliant. I love him. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think you need to look at the nature of the organizations. Um, and what I, what I noticed with, with the stackies is, you know, that is their complete ecosystem. So they're looking at that full end-to-end -end solution, right? I think if you break it down and, and, and look at strictly your content and marketing components, um, the CMS rises closer to the top, if not to the top. Okay. Um, and I also think it depends on whose perspective that they're pulling that, that overview together. Because if you're asking a marketer, they're going to have a slightly different view than someone who, say, is content operations to someone who is doing um, IT uh, to somebody who is more in charge of the customer relations. So I think the perspective, too, um, varies depending on who has built the diagram. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Um, okay, so the second one was um, with the digital asset management. One of the things that 
I don't see a lot of is because digital assets and not just the the brand images and stuff, but the videos and the the rest of the content that's not you know web based. I don't see a lot of CMSs talking about the ability to index and make that stuff searchable alongside the rest of their content, so that because that stuff is so much more important these days. Do you how are we, what are you seeing in that area? Yeah, I think that's one area where, um, again, you know, there's always the debate of whether you go sweet or whether you go best in breed and, you know, the, the one throat to choke and the sweet solution, but really finding the true uh, technology that meets your needs if you go best of breed. Um, I think there's, there's too many um, CMSs trying to be all things to all people. Uh, you look at an Adobe, uh, they have an excellent suite. AEM is fantastic for the right organization. Um, they do have uh, a DAM solution. I'm not so sure it's actually, I will say, put a stake in the ground. It's not the best out there. Um, it, you know, their, their focus isn't digital asset management solution. It, it is a good solution. It works well if you have AEM as the suite and you've made that investment. It certainly works. Would I recommend it to somebody who's running a different technology for their CMS as their dam? No. Um, there's a lot of different components that make up a really great digital asset management. I think one of the best ones out there is OpenText. Um, you know, the, the big company that very few people know about, but they set a bar when it comes to media management. They're indexing the management of the licensing uh, the capabilities on versioning and tracking and all of that, it's an excellent system. But is it for everybody? No, because it's really big. And then you get into other components like the smaller ones that are, are more online or even um, less complex, like the binders and the widens of the world. Um, and Primo has a great solution. You look at um, Style Labs. There's a lot of different components, but I think essentially, and what I probably should have said at the outset is, you know, there's no one right answer. It's very dependent on what the organization is looking to achieve and what they need out of the system. Um, so getting requirements at the very beginning before jumping into investing into a digital asset management system is really important as it is having someone who understands what a dam does and how to set it up and manage it because it, it initially it's a, it's a complex solution even for small organizations to get it right. And you want to get it right from the beginning. And it's, it's, um, I, I know I've written and talked about digital asset management for a long time, but it always seemed to just be an extra thing on the side. And now it's becoming so much more important. And like you said, so much more a, a key piece of the stack that people have to think about. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. great. Okay. And then the analytics part. You can have Google Analytics connected in. You can use the analytics that might come with your CMS or whatever you know, the thing might be, but I've not yet seen anything that kind of helps you tell you how good your content's performing within your C within your CMS. Like you can get good traffic, but not overall, you know, you've used it in five different places. You've used this piece of content in five different places and here's how, here's how well it's performing in this place compared to this place. Do you think that kind of analytics is, is out there or needs to be there? It, it is out there, actually. So a lot of the CMSs um, that have built-in analytics components, so again, Adobe, uh, Sitecore, um, Epi, can all do that um, to, to varying degrees. 
Um, there are some where you can actually drill down and see everywhere it's been used, where it's been forwarded, um, you know, frequency of, of, of use, all of that kind of thing. So it, it is out there. It is built into many of the CMSs. There are analytics um, tools that can do that for you. Um, Google Analytics gets better all the time. Um, I can't think of a single client that I have worked with over the last probably five years that doesn't have GA in their system somewhere that somebody's not using it somewhere because it is so accessible. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you didn't mention marketing automation. Is that, do you not see that as a, a core piece or is that, how do you look at that? Um, no, I think marketing automation, it's one of those things that have actually surprised me. Um, I've been covering it now for about 10 years. Um, and I really thought it was going to jump higher on the, on the, uh, interest list, so to speak. Like I really thought people were going to go whole hog into it. And, you know, you have the big players out there still, um, a lot of small ones, a lot of niche about six years ago, you saw a lot of niche marketing automation platforms coming out focused on either industry or, uh, vertical from a, um, you know, whether it was retail or B2B, B2C, um, and really uh, narrowing down their scope of capabilities. So just focusing on different elements of what uh, an MAP can typically do. I still think it's an essential tool. I think um, many organizations that have them are only touch the surface. I think it's one of the most underutilized, you know, they, they have stats out there that, you know, people typically only use about 40% of the capabilities on a, yeah. on a CMS or any big stack, actually. Um, I think it's probably less on a marketing automation platform. People use it for campaigns and for emails, but what they don't do is they don't dig into it to really, you know, use it from a campaign manager or a content management perspective as far as tracking, again, where they've used things, what people are doing, building the workflow, building customer journeys, um, as well as using it internally. Um, you know, marketing automation can be used to your internal audiences. And I'm a firm believer that employees are your number one um, clients and audience and need to be tended to as much as your external. Um, and so you should be doing campaigns with them that are appropriate, obviously, uh, with them to engage them and to encourage them and to inform them. And, you know, you can use your marketing automation platform to do, do that. Okay. Yeah, I um, most of the clients that I've worked with don't use the to the full capabilities. It's, it's probably in many ways a glorified email marketing tool. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So when, when, so when you think about content management and what, you know, the decision to go out and implement a new one or pick a new one or get a new one period, cause not everybody has one, which is kind of still surprising to me. Yes. <laughs> what, what really do you think is, is many companies have several marketing automation platforms um, because they are, there are so many small solutions where you can go and it's the path of least resistance, right? So they're, they're putting the $35 or $50 a month on their corporate card and using a SaaS solution um, for their own. And so you see them, I mean, it's, it's like that with, with CMSs, people have WordPress sites up everywhere. Um, there's proliferation. I don't see it a lot with DAM. Um, but certainly marketing automation and, and, and secondary and tertiary uh, CMSs, apart from their big ones, whatever that might be, um, happens quite a bit. So with, with the web CMS, um, 
is there something they should be looking for when they decide to to implement one or I guess they're ready to retire one that's really outdated and very just you know web website focused is there things are there things they should be looking for you know you you talked about there's the suite and then there's the one that you know they the best of breed approach. Like if you were, if you're sweet, I know you can get everything and not all of it's great. And some of it's better than the others. If there, if you go with a best of breed approach, is there something you should be kind of specifically looking for things, you capabilities you want to make sure it has? I think really it comes down to doing that, that, that primary research internally and not just talking with what I call the usual suspects, right? So you're not just talking to the content team. You're not just talking to the marketing team. CMSs are really an enterprise-wide tool that could be leveraged better. Um, engaging with different parts of the organization, whether it be R&D or operations or admin, um, certainly customer service, getting people engaged with the content to be able to provide the feedback and whatnot. So go out and ask them. You know, what do you need from the website? Make it as simple as that for people who aren't going to be actually managing the content. Um, find out what's working, what's not today. Don't change things for the sake of changing. Um, I had one client where this, the leadership were convinced that they needed a new CMS. And then when we went in and actually did the research, we found that people were quite happy with the CMS. It's just that they had gone off the upgrade path. So they were limited in their growth potential. Um, and we went through a full selection and boom. They ended up with the same solution. So I think my, my best advice is it's not that you should be looking for one particular thing, but you should be looking for what the company needs. So think about who's going to support it, which will give you some indication on whether or not it should be on-prem, whether it should be cloud, or whether a SaaS solution is better. Um, think about the users. So are they, is it going to be a small group who are in it every day who will learn it? So it's okay if it's not you know, at the very, very top from a UI uh, user interface perspective? Or do you have a real decentralized team that are only going to be in there, you know, once every couple of weeks, once a month? So it has to be dead simple um, to use. Uh, things like, um, do you have a dam? You know, does it need to integrate with that? So what are the other parts of your stack that it needs to work with? Or are you looking to fill more than just a content hole? You know, are there other elements where, you know what, maybe a built-in digital asset management system because you're not heavy on content and assets um, will work well. Does it need to integrate with e-commerce, which is, you know, commerce, which is something I probably should have mentioned when you look at the ecosystem today because commerce is huge. Um, we're seeing a shift of from content management systems owning the glass to the commerce uh, tool owning the glass. So understanding what is going to be that final push um, so I know I didn't give a specific answer, but I think, you know, bottom line is you need to really make sure you have your requirements first before you start looking at solutions. It's great to do research, you know, things that are up and to the right, great as a baseline, but they're not up and to the right for everybody. It's about yeah. finding the right solution for you. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. You have to know what you, you're trying to achieve and what your needs are across the different uh, stakeholders in the company you're trying to support. And, and yeah, absolutely. Do um, when you look at web content management and then also when you look at the effect content marketing has really, in my opinion, influenced the way we do content management period. Do you think that um, 
the content marketing has changed the way the CMS is, is used and thought about? Sorry, can you repeat that question? Yeah, I guess I was saying it in my head and I said, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, do you think the content marketing and the use of it and the creation of content for different different uses has changed the way we use the CMS today? Yes, definitely. So there are content marketing solutions out there. Um, so you look at things like Contently. Um, what I think content marketing has done is required us to break down um, content into components. So where traditionally it was a finished product, right? So you thought about a web page in its entirety. You thought about a brochure in its entirety. Um, now we really need to be looking at content as components. How do we best leverage the different elements within a newsletter, within a web page, within an email, uh, within an advertise, uh, advertisement, whether it's print or whether it's online? How do we use the components that make up those things and make them accessible so that they be, can be used to the best of uh, their usefulness to the different audiences? Um, because there are going to be times where you really want to mix and match content where it's not a one size fits all. And I think from a content marketing perspective, it's, it's making us rethink um, those elements to make sure that it really is audience specific. Because of kind of the whole intelligent content, structured content Correct. strategy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I saw a tweet where you had actually mentioned the lack of awareness um, on the role of operations. Like, so what were you kind of trying to say there? So I think, again, there people get so focused on the technology that they don't think about the, um, the behind-the-scenes element. Actually, I was, I was just finishing up a blog post when, when we connected on that um, about, you know, I really, it's going to be my focus for 2019. You're going to see a lot of my writing focused on content ops and strategy. And it's about identifying and, and really sitting back and thinking about, you know, who's going to be part of the content team? Who are the contributors? Whether you have a centralized team that's smaller and, and deep in the weeds, and that's what they do every day, whether it's decentralized, but looking beyond that, who are the SMEs? Who are the subject matter experts that need to be incorporated? And I think really, I mean, in an ideal state, and I don't see it um, you know, happening right away, but making content part of, of a lot of people's responsibilities, what they're going to be measured against. Because content often comes as the, oh, I got to do that again, right? Or I don't have time for that. But understanding who can be part of the content team, thinking beyond the, you know, the confines of the marketing team or the content team is really important. It's about understanding the technology and the impact of technology and all the different components. Again, there's many of us in the content world who our role is to do one or a smaller set of things. So there are, there are lots of teams where, you know, there's some people who all they use is the CMS and they never interact with the dam. They don't even understand the dam let alone getting um, access into things like analytics. I am a huge proponent and I've, you know, anybody who's listening to the podcast who've heard me speak before has heard this before. It's not about breaking down the silos. It's about making it permeable. It's about giving um, a line of sight into what other people do and the content and the data that they have that they can leverage from their own perspective. Because if you gave the same data block to a marketer versus a technical marketer, versus somebody who's in charge of content, they're all going to see something different. 
all relevant and all of value, but they're going to see something different. And that's where you really start to get um, the most return on your investment when it comes to content and the investment in that. Um, and I think it's about governance. I'm again, huge into governance as a, as a project management professional. I, you know, I'm very right brained on that stuff. I think it's really, really, really crucial to have that backbone of, of the rules of engagement. How does content work? What's it going to do? What's it responsible for? Who's going to work on it? What are the scope of the team from a technology, from a marketing, from a content perspective? Where does the buck stop, right? Um, what's the commitment as far as, of, as far as getting content and marketing out? Um, and also, what, are the, what does it say about the strategy within the strategy about what they're going to stop doing? That's where KPIs become so important. Um, is knowing what you're going to do, what you're going to measure, why you're measuring it, and what you're going to do about that measurement. Um, even if it means stop doing that, because so many strategies talk about what they're going to do, and it doesn't talk about what they're not going to do because of what they're doing, or what they're going to stop doing when the KPIs don't you know, track the way they're supposed to. So it's all that agility, being able to uh, um, react and change course of path. You need operations and you need a structure to enable that. I agree with all of that. I just, I just picture the opportunity that doing that the right way will bring is super clear, but I just think a lot of organizations will just get lost and get kind of freaked out that it's so much more, more complex or more work to do than it used to be like, you know, five or six years ago. And some people even do it today where they just, you know, update a webpage on their website. Like it's yep. just, it's Ooh. changed so dramatically. It has. I'm working with an organization right now, actually helping them implement their content center of excellence. Um, so they are pivoting and changing the way they do ops, content ops, um, as and they're a global organization, literally around the world in every country. And they are starting with a with a with a not a small geography where we are implementing a center of excellence, a process for content. Now they're not generating the content. It's not up to them. They're owning the process. And this is being looked at as here's the, we're not calling a pilot. It's sort of a controlled implementation um, to get it right, which will then be carried out to the rest of the, the organization. So people will still own their little piece of the pie, but we're putting parameters and process around it to make it more efficient, to make it more effective. So when they need outside resources, agencies or freelancers, they're able to say, listen, these guys do a great job on this. These guys do a great job on that. I wouldn't go with them because you know what? They're, you know, we've worked with them three times. They were late every time. They went over budget every time. So it's about providing the ability to be efficient, effective at scale. Um, and that's where operations really kicks in. So whether it's a small, you know, 150 person organization or whether it's a, you know, thousands multinational person organization having a focus on how content works and contributes to the organization and a process for getting it out there is, is super critical as painful as it is to put in. Um, it really needs to be a strategic initiative and align with the corporate goals. Absolutely. And I think we're going to leave it there because I think that's the thing I would love people to kind of walk away with thinking lastly is how important that thing, how important content operations are and how they need to think of it much more seriously than they probably do today. So, okay. So thank you, Kathy. This was great. Um, I really, I love this conversation. I think we could probably go on and on about this stuff 
for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, but thank you. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And we hope to see you next time on Content Matters. On behalf of Ingenix, thanks for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.